0: This is Fundraising Radio, and today's guest speaker we have Kathleen Weggy, President of Tech Coast Angels, the San Diego chapter, and also a partner at Moto's Investments. And this episode is separated into three parts. In the first part, we're going to talk about differences between Tech Coast Angels in San Diego chapter versus Los Angeles and Orange County chapters, because several of my previous episodes were about that. So it's gonna it, it will make sense to to draw a line, you know, and compare them together. Then we're going to talk about Caitlin's mm-hmm. personal investment experience and her experience at Moto's Investments, and then we're going to move on to talking about foundations. What is it? Who should reach out to foundations? And does it even make sense for startup founders to talk to foundations? Uh, so, Caitlin, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Moto's Investments. I'm
1: Caitlin Weggy. I am president of Techless Angels. San Diego, also partner at Moodoo's Investments, which is a private family fund. It's our family fund. It was started about 30 years ago by my dad. I have been a passive partner most of my life, so I've arguably been investing in startups my entire life, almost, (laughs) probably about since nine years old. But I joined as a full-time partner, kind of active partner, five years ago. And I can tell you a little bit about the fund like I said it was 30 years ago um, was formed we've made about 80 or so plus direct investments over that time and that includes follow-on investments we typically invest in pre-seed seed seed stage companies although recently we have made some series b investments although that's not really our sweet spot Uh, the original thesis that my dad started with that we've kind of found our way back to over these 30 years is really being first money in. Um, We're not afraid to lead rounds. In fact, we like leading rounds. Um, We also like to be involved with the company and that could be in way of a board seat or operational participation. And we're industry agnostic. So we really invest across the spectrum in terms of industry. We're heavily weighted in life sciences and a lot of that has to do with a couple of legacy companies and the fact that some of our partners like my dad and my sister have a a science background and I also live in San Diego. So this is a very well-known life sciences sector but we've invested in everything from textile manufacturing to sustainable aquaculture, you know traditional enterprise saas education technology i mean you name it we've probably invested in it so that's <laughs> also kind of excited to have exciting to have that variety
0: absolutely i think variety so is the key that's me <laughs> oh i'm that's also a pretty- a,
1: also a mom mom of two <laughs> young children so i balance that as well with the help of my husband who's been a great partner so
0: that's awesome. Uh, we now l- will jump into Tech Coast Angels. So uh, I didn't ask you to give us any background about Tech Coast Angel because I think that uh, Angel group doesn't really need an introduction. Basically everyone here in California know what it is uh, and most of my listeners are from California. So um, let's just jump straight into the differences between Tech Coast Angels in San Diego and Los Angeles. What do you think are the main differences there?
1: Yeah, I can talk a little bit about kind of the 30,000-foot differences, and then I can kind of dive into, um, you know, a closer snapshot of San Diego chapter. Sure. So I think, you know, there's five chapters. I'm not sure if you've already covered that. So San Diego, LA, Orange County, we have one um, in Central Coast, which is really Santa Barbara area, and then one in the Inland Empire. So that's like Riverside, Redlands, that area. So we've really spread ourselves throughout uh, the geographic region. And I think it's really, you know, the geography that influences the deals, like the ecosystem that, that the chapter exists in so san diego leans towards life sciences that's because we have a core competency in it that may have to do with all of the life sciences companies that um biotech and drug development uh luminas of the of the world all here in san diego um orange county they also invest in life sciences and mm-hmm. I, I i think really The main difference between San Diego, LA, and Orange County are, I think LA and Orange County have a stronger appetite for B2C companies. Whereas for some reason, San Diego just doesn't have the same appetite for B2C. And I mean, B2C across industries, not a specific industry. For some reason, it's not, they don't, companies don't get as much success and interest here in San Diego that are B2C, not to say that they're, that we haven't funded B2C companies in the past, but LA and Orange County, and I really think that has to do with the geography. You know, being in LA, there's a lot of advertising technology, um, consumer apps, uh, consumer products in general. and um, But we do a lot of intra-syndication, uh, intra-chapter syndication, so something in San Diego that is Really exciting here and gaining a lot of traction will probably gain traction in the other chapters as well and vice versa. So I think that's kind of the main difference. Um, San Diego also is the largest chapter. We have just over 200 members right now. Um, I think Orange County and LA are o- about over 100. So the, you know, being the largest chapter, we do um, also have kind of a lot of influence as well. And then uh, I can give you, if you're interested, kind of a more detailed description of San Diego chapter and and why, you know, we might be different. If you're interested, I can kind of we'll dig into that as well. We'll talk
0: about that probably later if we still have time for that. But here, I actually want to mm-hmm. ask you a bit of a follow up question on what you said. And it's uh, mm-hmm. actually what uh, the president of Tech Coast Angels in Orange County said. I don't quite remember if they have a follow-up fund. So there is a syndicate group with the uh, angel members, right? So you said you have over 200 members, but do you have a follow-up fund as an actual fund that belongs to Tech Coast Angels San Diego?
1: So, yes, we do have a fund and each of the, so, so San Diego, okay, so there's, Okay, so I don't know if you want me to talk about the um, syndication efforts or the fund because they are Let's talk about separate. the funds
0: first. I want to okay. hear like what's the difference between the funds of those uh, different groups.
1: Yeah, so it's hard for me to talk about the fund in Orange County and LA because they just launched this year, so in January, mm-hmm. whereas San Diego's chapter fund launched last year. So we now have two funds under our belt Orange County followed suit and raised their capital and launched their fund in January. And same thing with LA. So they pretty much follow the same operating agreements as San Diego. And, and you know, I think, I, I don't think there's much differences in the way that it operates. And, uh, you know, kind of one of the great advantages to how the ACE fund, the chapter ACE funds, um, Operate is that it's not like a traditional fund where there's just you know an investment committee and it's usually three nominated um, Investment partners that make all the investment decisions. The thing about Mm -hmm. these chapter funds is it's kind of democratized so any member that buys a unit has voting power so if the vote if the you know the company is able to inspire Here in San Diego, if you if you inspire four interested investors that are also part of the fund, if, if the company is able to inspire them, they can make a recommendation to the fund to help fund their company. And that recommendation goes for a vote and all of the voting members weigh in on this vote. And for us, I think there's about 100. I'm going to get this wrong because I'm not sure specifically, but I would say there's about 130 or 150 of our out of the 200 members that are members of the fund. So it's really exciting. It's exciting because, as you know, somebody who's invested in a fund, you get a say in who gets invested in that. You know who who you invest in in that fund. So that's a that's kind of an integral difference in difference between not between the chapters because i'm pretty sure the chapter funds are set up uh, you know with the same similar operation agreements but it's different than a traditional investment fund a vc fund or seed stage fund
0: right yeah that actually sounds really exciting i didn't know that there is such a democracy in the uh, tech coast angel funds It's pretty interesting to learn. So uh, here I actually want to move uh, back to your personal experience in investing and specifically to Modus Investments. Uh, Let's talk Mm -hmm. about stuff that you personally like to see. So Modus Investments is a family fund, which is surprising to me myself because there are very few family funds that actually invest in startups. Uh, Mm -hmm. Why did you start investing in startups?
1: Yeah, so let me talk about your um, observation on family funds and not many that invest directly invest in, in startup companies first. And then I can tell you a little bit about how we came to be a lot of um, what you would call family office. So we're a family office traditionally invested in as LPs in venture funds or okay. equity funds. And and that's mainly because, you know, with with a traditional family office, there may not be somebody on staff or within the family that has the core competency to make startup investments. I mean, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of risk and there's a lot of things you need to know to do that. And I think recently in, you know, the the past five to ten years, some of the alternative investments that family offices were investing in, hedge funds for one, you know, the the returns weren't there the way they used to. So there was a real interest in making direct investments rather than just going through a VC fund. And a lot of families have followed this kind of Of creating a fund directly, you know, set up to make direct investments into startup funds, startup funds, startup companies. (laughs) Um, So that's that's kind of an evolution. So we're seeing a lot more family funds or family managed funds making direct investments. Our fund, however, is a little unique, and I hear this a lot from talking to other. You know, we're part of a peer group, a family office peer group, and this fund was set up 30 years ago. And that's mainly because my dad was interested in, you know, he had been an executive in the office furniture world for many years, and he was kind of ready to move out of that position. And he really enjoyed, you know, building businesses and working with entrepreneurs and coaching. And that's, that's what you know inspired him to start the fund. He really just wanted to work with entrepreneurs and build businesses. And so that's that is kind of unique in the in the fact that that's what he did 30 years ago because a lot of people a lot of folks weren't doing that. I mean that was well before angel invest- investor existed the, the term. And then also <laughs> one of the things I had mentioned to my dad on the phone not too long ago was really what he was doing was kind of a venture studio model. Like he was finding um, the talent through channels like the universities, and then kind of building the management teams around that and taking a very active role in the company, which is, you could think of now as kind of a venture studio model.
0: Yeah, yeah <laughs> so it was, really it was kind like of a venture studio.
1: Yeah, yeah, so he was ahead of his time. <laughs> That's really cool so I think now. We're an, yeah, we're definitely an outlier when it comes to family funds. Because that's really cool. A lot, yeah,
0: yeah. I really love talking to outliers for sure. So uh, first thing that I want to touch on to that you've mentioned is that your family office, uh, family fund is in a sort of a syndicate or a group of other family funds. Is that what you said?
1: No, it's actually not necessarily a fund syndicate. Um, it's a peer group that we belong uh-huh. to, and that, and and it's a family office peer group, and and we exchange all kinds of information. Sometimes it's you know about uh, organization of the family in general or the family company. Uh, it's not necessarily always about direct investments. Mm-hmm. However, um, because this is becoming more. Um, you know, a a widely adopted way of investing for families. There is a lot of interest around it. So we have started, you know, I've started to reach out and meet more family funds that do this and kind of create a very informal syndication. It's nothing that's formal. It's just kind Mm -hmm. of through our contacts. You get to know other funds and just like a VC fund or or a seed stage fund would syndicate. It's very similar.
0: Right, that's pretty interesting that there is a new there is a new wave of family offices investing in startup world, it, it, and it's wonderful. I love to hear that, you know. Uh, but uh, one of the questions that I like pe- to ask people who are involved in family office investing, how should startup founders reach out to family offices to ask for investments, mm-hmm. because very few do, and doesn't even make sense to take your time to search for those family offices that mm-hmm. do invest in startups and reach out to them.
1: Yeah, a lot of family offices so the first thing I always say is if you've met one family office, you haven't met all the family offices. Like mm-hmm. you've met one family office, every family is set up differently. You know, the, the actual structure. So we just happen to set up a fund, um, a vehicle specifically for that. But a lot of, a lot of family offices are ghosts, right? They don't, they don't actually, um, have a storefront the way that we do whereas we have a very we're very outward facing right we all have we all have um experience in this niche of investing in direct investment so my sisters are also partners so we're very comfortable we want to do the work we're out there doing the work because this is something that we're passionate about and we've learned through our dad so we are actually you know very very much kind of out in front with our fund Networking and some family offices will delegate that to staff, um, and and then you know there's folks here in San Diego um, that all have, like I said, they've formed funds very similar to ours, and it's not like the fund is called the family office fund; it's called you know Moodoo's or something, and it and it like it, it just kind of most of these funds act like syndication partners or or, or VCs, right? So. It's not, you know, they're not VCs and they don't have LPs or outside investors. Right, but right. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, it's, it's not, if you're searching for family offices, you're probably not going to come up with much. But if you're spending, if you're an entrepreneur and you're living here in San Diego and you do your homework and you get to know who the funders are in the landscape, um, chances are, you know, you'll get introduced to... Um, somebody who runs a fund, or um, you know, a colleague, or something in that way. If they're active, if they're active and they're investing in your ecosystem, chances are, um, you know, you may you'll get an introduction. Right. And a lot of a lot of a lot of funds like myself, we belong to angel groups, mm-hmm. right? Like TCA. I mean, I know there's other family funds within TCA and other angel groups across the country. So
0: right that's really interesting so actually when I was saying that uh, most of my listeners are in California I was kind of lying because they're basically spread out throughout the whole uh, US and a lot of them mm-hmm. are actually in New York so do you think you know some good uh, Andrew group down there in New York or just basically in West coast
1: and on the, in the East Coast
0: damn it I mean I meant East Coast yep I meant East coast yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: To be honest, I'm not as familiar with the angel groups in the New York area. Um, But my sister is in Boston. So I'm very familiar with the group that she's been a part of for a number of years, launch, launchpad venture group. Mm -hmm. They are, you know, they remind me a lot of um, TCA San Diego, really connected folks. folks that have been doing this for years. I mean, you have some super angels that have been investing maybe as long as my as my father, and they all have deep industry knowledge. And they're all, you know, in the same spirit as the San Diego chapter of Tech Coast Angels. You know, a lot of them have been entrepreneurs themselves, and they're willing to roll up their sleeves and really help and kind of add value other than capital so launchpad venture group is one um, harbor angels is another one in boston uh, beyond that i'd have to really kind of put my thinking cap main angels we've done we just recently syndicated with up in maine and they also um as far as i know they invest in boston as well and then you have golden Seeds. you know golden seeds is, is an excellent network i mean they have a focus on supporting female founders but there's chapters in New York, and I believe there was there's one in Boston as well.
0: That's really cool. Like off the top of your head, you named at least four angel groups. That's really impressive. <laughs> and just says basically there are tons of them. Just <laughs> go out, look for them, and we're just Google. You know, I'm pretty sure Google will give you that answer pretty precisely. <laughs> but yeah, uh,
1: and and if you're an entrepreneur and you you know you have a connection with with one angel. You know, you can ask them, who do you syndicate right. with? Mm-hmm. Who do you, who do you suggest I talk to if I want to fundraise in Boston? Who do you suggest I talk to if I want to fundraise in Atlanta? You know, mm-hmm. most of us are, the angel groups are, you know, most of us are connected to a trade association called the angel capital association. And that is a very connected network of angel groups and, and super angels. And it's a it's also a great resource. I mean, any entrepreneur or team looking for funding can go on to the ACA website and learn. So,
0: Right. I think uh, the president of Tech Angels in the Orange County, he mentioned that they're connected. They're syndicated with over 50 angel groups, which is just an insane number. It's really impressive like how connected those angel groups are. But here it's time for us to move into talking about Foundations. Uh, what mm-hmm. are what foundations are? What is this, and what's the difference between foundation and family office?
1: Yeah. So the foundation. So I can kind of talk about it in my on in my own experience, um, rather than because, like I said, all family offices are set up differently. Um, the the WEGE Foundation, the charitable foundation, is completely different. It's a separate entity. Moodoo's right the foundation is a charitable foundation Moodoo's is a limited limited partnership that was formed specifically to make direct investments in early-stage companies the Weggie Foundation was actually originally started by my grandfather 50 years ago we're environmentally focused for the most part and we do most of our granting in West Michigan which is where he's from and where the original family company is actually still located it's still mm-hmm. over a hundred years old now uh and so so that's the main difference between and i and i suspect like i said i can't speak for other families but i suspect that you know the other families are set up similar i mean you have to you have to separate the charitable foundation right. so
0: so yeah. how does this work what do you give grants for and how should founders apply to this
1: Yeah, so this is where it gets a little tricky, again, because foundations are all different as well. So it's like when you've met one foundation, you've met one foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, I can talk about a little bit about what I think you're asking, which is what's called a PRI, a program-related investment. And uh, this is a way for charitable foundations to further make impact and further their mission except through supporting the private sector. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what you're talking about. And so PRI, yeah, so PRIs are becoming really, um, they're becoming a critical tool to stimulate private sector innovation. So if you think about what that is, that those innovations can be green and clean technologies. They can be life-saving diagnostics and drug development, which we've seen now since we're in the midst of a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. And all of these examples encompass you know, the greater mission of saving lives or restoring our environment, and that aligns with what a foundation is already set out to accomplish. Because if you know anything about charitable foundations, typically for ta- tax purposes, they're not allowed to use program funds. So any funds that are set aside for making charitable grants or program grants, um, you can't use those to invest in private entities, Mm -hmm. but the PRI is an exception. So if you can prove that this investment aligns with your programming, it's okay. And that can take the form of a loan, an equity investment, a guarantee. It's really anything made by the foundation in pursuit of its charitable mission rather than to generate income. That's kind of the big difference there. And, and, and you know, foundations can make a PRI to a nonprofit, or non-profit organization or a business enterprise. And there's a couple of um, examples that are leaders of that. I don't know if you want me to talk about that. Uh,
0: I think we're running out of time. So I think I'm going to move on to my (laughs) last question, then we'll wrap it up there. But I I love every non-dilutive source of capital and PRI is really interesting. I have absolutely no experience in that field whatsoever, but sounds really really intriguing I should probably look into this more after the episode but my last question would be what do you think should uh, be the first three steps the founder should make to get the first check from an investor
1: right Um, so I think the first step should be to get a second meeting that is ultimately the goal for any entrepreneur when you meet with an investor and you want to check, you need to get the second meeting. And a good way to do this is to spend some time doing your homework. I think I mentioned this earlier in the in the podcast that really doing your homework to real to figure out who, you know, what does the investor landscape look like? Who invests in your space? So if you can get in front of somebody who who invests in your space, chances are you'll get a second meeting. I mean, there's other things you need to do to get a second meeting. But Mm -hmm. if you keep if you just kind of meet with anybody and you're not getting second meetings, you're kind of, you're wasting critical time, right? And you really want to kind of figure out who's in your space, who invests in our space, who's connected to them, and how can I get a warm intro? And you want to do this before well before you start fundraising one of my favorite things um that i you know pieces of advice that i give is if you ask for money you'll get advice if you ask for advice you'll get money Mm -hmm. so the best time to to talk to an investor is when you're not raising money and if you're able to get some time with that investor and you're not ready to fundraise you can ask them if they seem interested you can ask them if you can add them maybe to your monthly updates and if you're not doing monthly updates, my the other piece of advice for getting a check is to start making, start doing, uh, get in the habit of doing monthly updates. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could, I could talk for another half hour on the importance <laughs> of updates to your investors <laughs> or potential investors, but I won't. Um, but this is, you know, the whole, the benefit to this is that you're sending them updates and maybe it's not monthly, maybe it's just a quarterly check-in and the investors are reading it or maybe they're just skimming it or maybe Mm -hmm. they're just seeing it in your in in the inbox right they see your name they see the company name they get an idea from you know it says update or you know you're on their radar and so by the time you're looking for investment the conversation is much easier because they have they already have history with you Mm -hmm. right so
0: that's that's I i think that's really good good advice, especially the first one. I loved it because I think very few people uh, mentioned that on my podcast previously. It's really important to get the second meeting. I mean, the first one is somewhat easy because investors need to deploy money. But if you get the second me, it means you have you have something, you know, and if you don't, uh, probably means you have nothing. So uh, I think that's really right. important advice. Thanks a lot, Keeling, for that. I think at this point, we're going to wrap it up as we got to our 30 minute threshold. But thanks a lot for coming up. I know you're extremely busy. I know you have a family. You have two kids to raise, <laughs> uh, fun to run, and Tech Coast Angels to watch after. And uh, you still found time to participate in fundraising radio. I really appreciate that. Thanks a lot, and stay safe. Yeah,
1: thank you. Thanks for spreading the word. <laughs>